Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, uh, welcoming you to the podcast this week where we'll be talking about a practical issue related to ministry leadership. I don't normally uh, spend time on these podcasts talking about uh, preaching or teaching, but that is a very important component for many ministry leaders. Uh, A lot of us speak uh, in either uh, preaching type settings or teaching type settings, but nevertheless, in either one, we have the responsibility for explaining and communicating uh, what the Bible says and doing that as a part of our regular leadership responsibilities. Now, a few uh, weeks ago, or actually just a few days ago now, I was talking to uh, uh, a group and a person asked this question, which is more important, good exposition of the text or good application of the text? And I replied, yes. Uh, you, You really can't say one is more important than the other. Of course, good exposition of the text is foundational to preaching and teaching, but good application is also essential for making the exposition uh, come alive and be accessible uh, to people who are hearing the Bible explained. So that reminded me of a perspective that I've had that I've taught in a preaching class on a number of occasions, and that is this. In most instances, when I hear most Christian leaders speak, the difficulty I have with their message is more on the failure to make clear application than it is on the failure to uh, do good or at least attempt good biblical exposition. Most people who speak uh, from a Christian perspective take the Bible seriously, and they try to speak uh, what the Bible says and, and what they understand it uh, to, to mean. But then when it comes to applying what they're saying, sometimes I'm really discouraged by what I hear, either the absence of application are statements that the speaker thinks are application, which really aren't application at all. So today, I want to talk with you about speaking with good application. And I'm going to make the assumption that you uh, have already, in developing your message or your talk, have done the work of, of studying the Bible, and, and you're going to explain what the Bible means in, the, in its context, in its original setting, uh, to its original hearers, uh, and, and what, it, uh, what it means in, in our understanding of all of that. You're going to explain that in your message. I'm going to assume that in this podcast. And now I want to move to the second part of, the, of good communicating, and that is how do you make good application? Well, uh, there are two big myths, first of all, that you have to overcome. The first one is this. Uh, your hearers will do it on their own. I know I hear sometimes people say, well, my responsibility is just to teach the Word of God, or my responsibility is just to preach the Word of God, and it's the hearer's responsibility to make application. Well, uh, there's some truth in that. The hearer is responsible to make some application. But preachers and teachers who believe on, uh, who depend on this entirely are depending on what I call spontaneous spiritual combustion. <laughs> I mean, you're expecting your hearers who've been uh, caring for children all week or or working at a plant all week or are uh, dealing with difficult customers all week, you're expecting them to suddenly on Sunday hear you teach from the Word of God and spontaneously know how to apply it in their lives. Look, they haven't spent the whole week thinking about the Bible. Uh, They haven't spent hours poring over what it means. They need help to know how to make application. 
Sometimes when preachers or teachers tell me that they're going to leave it to their hearers to make the application, it reveals to me that the speaker is either lazy, has unrealistic expectations about their hearers, or quite honestly, doesn't really have a clue what the text means in practical uh, ways for living it out today. And so while I do think that hearers are responsible to make application, I also challenge you as a speaker to make sure you have at least one application that goes with each of the key insights or points that you're making from the text as you explain it. So the first big myth you have to overcome is that your hearers will do it on their own. Uh, the second myth is that, it sh that application should be left entirely to the Holy Spirit. Now certainly, the Holy Spirit is making application of the Word of God as you explain it. But leaving it entirely to the Spirit uh, goes back to some of the same issues I've already raised. It speaks of laziness or your inability to really understand your hearers or have ex realistic expectations of them. And it also speaks of the fact that you may not really understand what the text says yourself. So, yes, the Holy Spirit will make application, but you should have at least one. And then let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Now, I don't want to minimize this <clears throat> or make light of it. The Holy Spirit does make application of the message uh, in ways that we could have never anticipated. Almost everyone who's taught very much or who's preached very much knows uh, or has had this experience. Uh, you preach a sermon on the family, and someone comes up to you and says, uh, God really spoke to me today about healing a relationship with a person at work. And you think, he did what? I, I wasn't even talking about that. Or you'll preach a message about uh, stewardship and financial responsibility, and someone will come up to you after and say, God really spoke to me today about my need for salvation. Could you help me to commit my life to Christ? And you're thinking, in a money message? Yeah, it can happen. So <clears throat> I understand I understand that the Holy Spirit makes many-fold application of the Word of God to people, and I appreciate that, and I depend on it. But that does not relieve me of the responsibility of having at least one application that people can uh, tie into and connect with as they're hearing the message. So that leads us to talking about, in a few minutes, what it means to make good application. Um, Here's some, some hints about that, and then I'm going to talk to you about some how-tos. First of all, good application is based directly on the text of Scripture that you're speaking from and the meaning that you've revealed from that text. In other words, if you're preaching on the Ten Commandments and you get to the commandment that says, honor your father and mother, a good application statement would be, you honor your parents by caring for them as they age. Uh, you honor your parents by caring for them as they age is a direct application. It's based ex entirely on the text, honor your father and mother, but it's also specific to the hearers who are sitting in front of you. Now, this raises another issue about good application that I want to make at this point. Since application is based directly on the text, you can tailor your message to your audience by changing your application and the corresponding illustrations without having to change the text or without having to study the text for additional meaning or different meaning. Let, let me again illustrate it by using this commandment. Let's suppose that you're preaching through the Ten Commandments and you come to the commandment that says honor your father and your mother. And you do the hard work of biblical exposition to discover what that verse meant 
uh, in its context to its original hearers, in the broader context of Scripture. In other words, you do all the hard work to determine what the verse means. Then you say, now how do I apply this? Well, you look at, you think about the hearers who are going to be uh, uh, receiving the message. Let's say you're speaking at a senior adult conference. Well, you might have an application like this. You honor your parents by caring for them as they age. My wife and I are facing that now. We're, we're just right at the age of starting to get the senior discount, but my father and Ann's mother are still alive, and they, they need to be cared for, and so we have that responsibility. And then, but you could take the same text and preach it in a, with a different application and different illustrations at a youth conference. Let's say you were at a youth conference, and you preach this, and the application would not be you care for your aging parents. That's not where most 14- and 15-year-olds are, but a better application for them would be uh, you honor your parents by obeying them uh, and and fulfilling their instructions. Or you honor your parents by respecting them and speaking to them in a way that gives them honor or deference. These are applications that would be appropriate at a youth conference. And so you can take the same text with the same exposition, write two very different applications, and you can preach that message two different ways in two different audiences. This is one of the great things about preaching for many years, as I've done, and that is I have a a backlog now of files of Bible study notes and preaching notes and the hard work I've done of uh, studying Scripture. And so when I'm asked to preach on a text of Scripture now, I typically can go back to my files and review the good work that I've already done in helping me to understand the text. I've already analyzed it, taken it apart, done my commentary work, all that stuff. But then I think about the audience where I'm being asked to speak. Am I being asked to speak from this text at a missions conference that's for veteran missionaries? Or am I being asked to speak from this text at a missions conference for uh, high school or college students who are considering devoting their lives to missions? And so based on the audience, I'm going to take a text and write applications and then illustrations that appeal to and connect with the audience that's going to be sitting before me. Now, That's why you have to base your application directly on the text, but at the same time, uh, you can have varying kinds of uh, applications that connect with varying kinds of audiences, and you can preach the same text in different places and preach essentially an entirely different message once you move beyond exposition and into application. Now, a second characteristic of good application, it's related to the specific needs of your hearers. Now, again, you have to think through who's sitting in front of me when I'm preaching or teaching and write your application for those hearers. For example, let's say you're preaching on prayer. At a senior adult event, you might use this application. Prayer will bring you peace for future uncertainties. Senior adults uh, grapple with uh, so many uncertainties about life. How long will my health be sustained? Will I have the money to make it to the end of my life? Uh, Will I be lonely? Will my family continue to care for me? These are the kinds of uncertainties that senior adults face. And so when you preach to them, you say, pray, uh, prayer will bring you peace for future uncertainties. And you can pray, you can give illustrations in about what that means. But if you're preaching this same message or this same theme to to young adults, you might say, instead of uh, prayer will give you peace for future uncertainties, you could say prayer will give you confidence for future decisions. You know, most young adults are thinking about future decisions. Where do I go to college? What kind of major should I choose? What kind of job will I get? Who should I marry? Should I have children? Should I adopt children? These are the kinds of future decisions that most young adults are thinking about. And so 
when you're preaching about prayer and how prayer brings peace of mind, you want to make your application specific by saying prayer brings peace of mind or by giving you confidence about future uncertainties or prayer brings peace of mind by giving you confidence about future decisions. And so just altering the message at the point of, of application just a bit makes it very pertinent to the hearers that are right before you. A third step in good, or good character, third characteristic of good application is it's realistic yet challenging to the hearers. Uh, let's talk about witnessing, for example. Sometimes uh, during a message on evangelism, you'll hear a preacher or a teacher say something like this. You must witness to every single person you meet. Well, really? Does anyone do that? I mean, even the most ardent evangelists don't witness to every single person they meet. And so that's not good application. Um, that's guilt-inducing, uh, burden-creating condemnation. You must witness to every person you meet. No one's going to do that. No one is going to do that. And so when a hearer hears that message from a speaker, they immediately say, well, that guy doesn't know where I really live, or she doesn't really know what she's talking about. That, that's just not going to happen. So what would be a better application? Well, a better application would be something like this. You witness best by telling your story of how you met Jesus. Now, that's an application everyone can do. Oh, I witness best by, by telling my story of how I met Jesus? Yeah, you can do that. And every person hearing you that's a Christian can do that. They can witness by telling their story of how they met Jesus. And then you follow that application up with an illustration of someone that you told your story to who came to faith in Jesus. Or you give the illustration of a friend of yours or a person you know who shared their story and a person uh, received the gospel through them. So it's realistic. your applications are realistic yet challenging. You don't want to just say something that everyone's already doing. You want to challenge people to do more than they are doing, but you don't want to say things that are completely unrealistic. And then finally, another good characteristic of application is it's positive as much as possible. In other words, um, it is appropriate sometimes to give an application in the negative, like, for example, don't lie. But it would be better to turn that application to a positive and say, tell the truth. So not every time, because frankly, some texts of Scripture are in the negative. Don't do this. Stop this. Avoid this. And I, and I think if the text is in the negative, um, you certainly have the permission to give application in the negative. But if you can, even in those texts, it's better to turn it to a positive. So rather than preaching about what people should not do, turn it to a positive as often as you can and talk about what people should do. So um, good application is based on the text and the meaning of the text. It's related to the specific hearers who are in the audience at the time. It's realistic yet challenging to hearers, and it's positive as often as possible. Now, before I move on from characteristics, let me just say one more thing. You might be asking, okay, but what if I have a mixed audience? Uh, what if I have a typical Sunday worship service where I have senior adults, I have middle adults, I have young adults, I have unmarried adults, I have married adults, I have children, I have teenagers, I have people that are rejoicing because they have just had a great victory in their lives, and I have people who are hurting because something painful is going on. A typical Sunday has all of, this, all of these kinds of people. Well, uh, that's why it's important to have varying kinds of applications in your message. 
so that you don't have all application statements for young adults or all application statements for senior adults, but you show how the text applies to different ones of them or different groups of them as you move through the message. Now, that doesn't mean that on every single point from the text you have to have an application that touches every single person in the room. But what I try to do is have an application uh, that connects with various large groups in the room and have five or six or eight application statements throughout the message, but have them connect to different people in the room or different needs in the room. So a person leaves saying, that message was really for me because one part of it, by application and corresponding illustration, one part of it really connected with me. So they're more able to grasp that the whole message applied to them if one part of it really is tailored to them. So that's how you make these characteristics of good application work in a large group setting where you have a lot of different kinds of people. Now let's talk about developing your application. How do you do it? Well, the first thing I do is I ask this question. What specifically must the hearer do today? And the way I work through the question is by inflecting different uh, different words in the sentence or in the question to help me really think through what I want to say. So I'll ask myself, what specifically must the hearer do today? And then what specifically must the hearer do today in this moment, right now? What do I want them to do? And then what specifically must the hearers do today? In other words, Who's going to hear this message? And what do I want those particular people to do? And then what specifically must the hearers do today? In other words, what activity, what action, what do I want them to actually do as a result of hearing the message? So the first step for me in writing application is to reflect uh, on this question. What specifically must the hearer do today? and work through that question by emphasizing the words specifically, or today, or hearer, or do, so that I'm forced to think through my message, look at what I believe the Bible teaches and what it has to say through the study that I've made, and then ask myself the question, now based on what I've learned, what do I specifically want the hearer to do today? Now, once you've started answering that question, then form your application by remembering some of these uh, suggestions. Uh, first of all, write your application in the present or the future tense, and it should not include um, any aspect of the exposition or, 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 the, or the historical context or anything related to the details of the text. Now, you may borrow a word, like if you're preaching on prayer, you're obviously your application is going to say something about prayer. But, for example, an application statement would never be something like, um, and the application of this text is, the Amalekites were evil people. That, that's not application. That's exposition. That's telling me about what happened in the Bible. Uh, now you've got to tell me what it means for me not what it means for the Amalekites. In other words, an application is not something like, um, you know, and the first application of this text is Paul uh, was a man of prayer. You know, that, that's not application. That, that's exposition. That's telling me about the text. And that's a very important part of preaching, but we're past that now. We've already explained the text. Now we've got to address the text to the hearer. So we want to write in the present tense or in the future tense, this is what you do now or this is what you can do in the future. The second thing, and this is going to be hard for some of you to hear, but I've been doing this a long time and I found it's, it's really effective. Write your application using 
Second person plural pronoun meaning use the word you. Y-O-U. Now, some, uh, some people prefer we, and there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But I've found over the years that if I address my application to the hearer, I'm better if I, if I use the pronoun you. So it sounds something like this. Uh, I will say something like, uh, you pray more when you get an accountability partner to help you. Um, you will pray more when you set aside a certain time every day for prayer. You will pray more if you develop a prayer list that will help guide you during your prayer time. So I'm preaching application now. I've already preached what the Bible says, and I've shown that it calls on believers to pray, and it encourages us to pray, it directs us to pray. I've shown how the text says Christians ought to pray, or Christians should pray, or Christians are responsible to pray. That's all in the text. Now I've got to turn it to the application to the hearer. And so when I do that, I will say something like this. And so as we understand this text, now we come to apply it. And the first application is this. You pray more, you will pray more when you get an accountability partner to pray with. Or you will pray more when you make a prayer list that will guide you in your praying. So I'm being very specific now about what I want the hearer to do in this moment or in the very near future to be able to put into practice these verses uh, that I've just explained. And you say, well, gosh, there's so many different ways you can apply the Bible. Absolutely. That's why you have to get down on your knees and ask God to help you. That's why you have to be immersed in the lives of your hearers. That's why you have to know what really is going on in people's minds. And so you can give application as I've said, that's, that's specific to the hearer, that is based on the text, that's in the present tense, that's positive, that challenges them to do something they really can do. Uh, that's all your responsibility as a preacher or a teacher. You have to be able to do that and make that kind of application. And that's why application is sometimes much harder to develop than the exposition of the Scripture because exposition, you study the Bible, you study the resources that help you understand the Bible, you read commentaries and do those kinds of things, and you come to understand its meaning. But now... Now you have this opportunity and responsibility to say, what does this mean and what do I want the people that are going to hear this message to do? What specifically do I want my hearers to do today? And you have to have the spiritual courage to write that down and challenge your hearers to do it. And that's why it has to be, like I said, realistic. It's got to be something they can really do, but it's also got to be challenging, moving them beyond where they are. And I think it's best to address them directly. Now, if you prefer we, I understand that, and, and there's occasions where I'll actually even use we. But I'm not there uh, to, uh, to uh, or I'm, in preaching, I'm not there to minimize uh, the, the directness that I want the hearer to, to feel when I'm speaking to them. I really am speaking to them, and I want them to join me in applying the text in a certain way. So... Um, Ask a good question and then form the answer in the present or the future tense and form it using the second person pronoun most of the time. Now, when you're writing application, also use short sentences. Uh, application sentences do not need to go on uh, multiple commas and multiple clauses. Just make a very clear application. You pray more when you get an accountability partner. You witness best by sharing the story of how you met Jesus. That's a short sentence. That's a direct sentence. Use a short declarative sentence to write your application. And then use strong verbs. Uh, use can or will or must. And listen closely. Avoid should and ought when you're writing application statements. You should pray more. That's not application. That's just condemnation. 
You should witness more. You should give more. You ought to love the Lord with all your heart. It's like, what, what, what is that? That's not application. This is why I say that application is often the, 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 the part of preaching today or the part of teaching that's left out because people think they're doing it. Um, I've had people say to me, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm really direct in my application. I said, well, give me some examples. Well, you ought to pray more. You ought to witness more. You ought to give more. Uh, we should love the Lord with all our hearts. And I'm like, okay, that's all true, but none of that's application. But none of that's application. Application is you love God when you obey his word in how you treat others. You love God more when you uh, demonstrate his love by caring for the weak or the hurting or the orphan. I mean, that's application. Now you're telling me specifically what you want me to do today. And so application needs to be more than should or ought. It needs to move to the will or must. And it needs to not just be these general vague statements of condemnation. You ought to do more. You ought to try harder. You ought to live better. That's not application. Application is specifically telling the hearers what they can do to put that into practice right now. And you say, but I can't name everything. No, of course you can't. But you are supposed to be so in touch with your hearers that you can name one or two or three things that you know they can do to put the Word of God into practice right now. Well, finally, let's talk about kinds of applications. And I I like to group them in three categories. Uh, The first kind of application is what I call an active conclusion. An active conclusion is something like this. You're preaching um, from John 3.16, uh, and you're preaching uh, the passage even broader than that about Nicodemus and him coming to Jesus and, and Jesus telling him that he must be born again. And you say to your hearer, the Bible says that, we, that every person must experience a new birth relationship. So I say to you this morning, you must be born again. Now that's application. That's what I call active conclusion. You must be born again. Or uh, maybe you're preaching about Peter's message in Acts 2 about repentance and faith, and you say to your hearers, and so I say the same thing to you this morning that Peter said those years ago, you must repent of your sin today. Now that's active conclusion. That's drawing a conclusion that requires an active response from your hearer and addressing it directly to them. Active conclusion. Now here are the difference. Um, you need to live better. You need to give more. That's not active conclusion. Active conclusion is a specific thing a person can do. You must repent of your sin today. You must be born again today. That's something they can do right now. A second kind of application is what I call action steps. Now, these are things like this. Uh, You honor God with your money. That's your general application. And then you give these steps. By tithing regularly, by spending wisely, or by saving habitually. Now, if I were preaching, I would take each one of these separately. I would say, and so we learn in the text this morning that we are responsible to honor God with our money. Here's how you do that. You honor God with your money by tithing regularly. And then I would give an illustration about a family or a person who does that. And then I would say, and you also honor God with your money by spending it wisely. 
And then I would talk about budgeting and the importance of making sure that we're stewards over all that we have. And then you honor God with your money by saving habitually and talk about the need uh, to set money aside, to pay yourself first, and to be sure that you have enough to take care of needs as they arise that may be, uh, that, are, that, uh, that seem unanticipated but really aren't. Uh, we all know there are going to be unanticipated uh, challenges that come our way, and so we have to save habitually for them. So these are specific things that you can do. These are action steps. In other words, the general application is you honor God with your money. But the specific steps are by tithing, spending, or saving. And so that's the kind of action steps you could give with money. Let's talk about marriage. Let's say that you're preaching about intimacy in marriage and the need to develop that. You could say something like this. You achieve deeper... In, in, you, so the Bible says... We're responsible to develop intimacy in marriage. And so I say this morning, you are responsible to develop deeper intimacy in your marriage by doing some certain things. First of all, uh, by spending time together. Or by second, by talking together. Or third, by laughing together and doing things that you enjoy. And so by listing these specific action steps, I'm doing more than saying, here's what the Bible says you must do. Now I'm telling you some simple ways that in our context, in this day and age, in the place where we really live, we can actually do these things. So those are called action steps. Now closely connected to this, but slightly different, are what I call action areas. Now action areas are where you take a a theme or an idea and you apply it not by steps, as I've just done, but in areas of life. For example, let's say you're preaching on stewardship and you say, and so this parable of Jesus teaches us that we are stewards. That means you are responsible to practice stewardship throughout your life. Now You must practice it in different areas. For example, you must be a good steward of your time. And here's what that looks like by way of an illustration. You must be a good steward of your money. You must be a good steward of of opportunities. And so now you're listing action areas, not so much steps. In other words, um, intimacy in marriage, here's step one, two, three. But stewardship of life, there's not a one, two, three step, but instead there's areas of life, time, money, opportunities, where you can apply the principles of stewardship. Another action area. Uh, Let's say you're preaching on integrity. And you say, and so the Bible says that we are responsible to live lives of integrity. That means you must be a person of integrity. And I want to challenge you this morning to be a person of integrity at work and give an illustration of that. I want to challenge you to be a person of integrity at school. Give an, an application of that. I want to challenge you to be a person of integrity at church. Give an illustration of that. See, these are action areas. These are areas of life where you can put the application into action, whereas action steps are one, two, three things you can do to put something into practice by way of application. Now, these are very closely related. They kind of uh, merge into each other a bit. I understand that. But I have found it helpful to distinguish where I'm trying to get people to put steps into place to get to an application or to, to pronounce or to state an application and then show them different areas where they could make that application and then a corresponding illustration with each one. Well, today... We've talked about how to do better application. Remember, this rests on the foundational assumption that you have done the hard work of digging out what the Bible really means. But once you've done that, and you explain it to people in the context of your preaching and teaching, then you have the next great responsibility of applying it to your hearers. So ask that key question, what specifically must my hearer do today? Reflect on that and then write your application in the present tense using the 
pronoun you. Use short sentences, strong verbs. Stay away from should and ought. Use will and can and must. And then as you're thinking about application, think about these categories. I can write active conclusions. I can write action steps. I can write action areas. And take upon yourself the spiritual responsibility of doing this so that the hearers that are actually present in your message can be challenged, but can also walk out of the room knowing that they can put the Word of God into practice if they'll say, do what you said in the message. Of course, beyond all of this, we're also trusting the Holy Spirit to do even more application than we could have ever imagined, but that doesn't eliminate us from us the responsibility of being uh, intentional about making good application when we preach and teach. You can do it, and it's a part of your responsibility, so lead on.